sorry, Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 1. And here's what Jesus said. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the log or the plank that's in your own eye? Don't tell me Jesus didn't have a sense of humor. Hypocrite, or verse 4, or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in, person, in pieces. The unsaved world loves to quote Matthew 7, 1. Today when Christians and the church declare that some conduct, some behavior is wrong and sinful according to the Bible, if you do that as a Christian, if we do that as a church, then inevitably there are some people who will respond, well, you're judging. You have no right to judge. Jesus said, judge not, lest you be judged. And so anytime we, we, sometimes it is true that when we make a declaration that this conduct or this behavior or this is not right, it's, it's wrong, it's sinful according to the word of God, sometimes people will respond that, well, you're judging. You're just being judgmental and you shouldn't make those judgments because Jesus said, do not judge. <clears throat> so here's the question. Is Jesus saying in this verse that Christians are not allowed to declare that some things are right or wrong? Is Jesus saying in this verse, as the world wants us to believe, that Jesus is saying that that it's it's not allowed that we declare that there are some things that are good, some things that are bad, some things that are true, some things that are error, according to the Bible, in the face of all of the sinful and immoral conduct going on in our world, conduct that is accepted, conduct that is celebrated by our world, in the face of all of the sinful and moral, immoral conduct that is being tolerated by many churches, is Jesus saying we're to keep our mouths shut? That we're never, we're never to make a statement that this conduct or that behavior or this decision or what you're doing according to the word of God is sinful and wrong and bad? Is that what Jesus is saying? Well, before we understand what Jesus is saying in these verses, it is important for us to understand what he is not saying. In these verses, as we shall see, Jesus is not forbidding Christians and he is not forbidding the church from taking a stand and declaring that yes, according to the word of God, there are certain conducts, there are certain behaviors that are wrong and sinful that are, that are not right, that are not good. There are some things that are just not 
right and some things that shouldn't be done. Jesus is not forbidding that in this, these verses. Here's what Jesus is teaching in these verses. Here's what Jesus is forbidding in these verses. In these verses, Jesus is forbidding believers from being nitpickers and fault finders, especially with our fellow believers over matters of, over personal matters and personal preferences. Here's what Jesus is forbidding in these verses. Jesus is forbidding his followers. He's, he's talking to his disciples. This is directed toward his disciples that are sitting around him. Jesus is forbidding his followers from wasting time judging and criticizing our fellow Christians over matters of personal preference and over things that in the stretch of eternity and in the mission of the church really doesn't matter. You would be amazed, maybe you wouldn't be, at how much time people in the church waste making comments and making judgments about other Christians over things that really don't matter, over personal preferences, over things that in the stretch of eternity and over things in, in, in the mission of the church and what the church should be doing over things that really don't matter. I was reading in my daily Bible readings this week about Joseph, the Old Testament Joseph. His brothers sold him down into Egypt into slavery. And then all of that great story of how he revealed himself eventually to his brothers and, and uh, how he sent his brothers back to Egypt to get his father and to bring his father and his family to Egypt so he could protect them. You know that great story. That's a great story. And it's a true story. It's not a made-up thing. It's a true story. And Joseph, he, he, he reveals himself to his brothers. He wants his brothers to go back to Canaan to get his father and get all of his family and bring them down to Egypt so he can protect them from the famine that's going on and take care of them. And he told his brothers this in Genesis 45, verse 24. As he sent them back to Canaan, he said, I want you to go back. I want you to get my dad and get all of my family. And then he said, don't quarrel along the way. Don't fuss and fight with one another along the way. Don't waste time fussing with one another and fighting one another as you go back to get my dad and as you go back to get my family and to bring them down to Egypt. Here's what Joseph didn't want them to do. Jesus didn't want his brothers to waste time fussing with one another as they went home. He said, you've got a mission to do. And that mission is for you to hurry and go back to Canaan and get my dad and get my family and bring them here. Don't waste time fussing and fighting with one another over things that really don't matter. Now, as Christians, Jesus has given us a mission. And that mission is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to a lost world. Jesus does not want us wasting time fussing and fighting and attacking and criticizing one another over things that really don't matter. Things that will distract us from the mission that he has given to us. And so that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, boys, now don't get all caught up on how somebody looks or 
you know, how somebody does something in a different way than you think they ought to do something and you get all fussy and fighting with one another. You've got a mission to do. And that mission is to live out for the Lord Jesus your life and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Don't waste time fussing and fighting over what color carpet you're going to put in the sanctuary. For heaven's sakes, who cares? Who cares? In the stretch of eternity, who cares? You've got a mission to do. So don't judge one another. Don't fuss and fight with one another over things that really don't matter. One of the exasperating things for every pastor that you would talk to who would be honest with you. And I'm old enough now and I've been in it long enough now. I don't care what you think when I say it, <laughs> you know. But one of the most exasperating things for pastors is how so many people in the church get all caught up in fussing over things. And you sit there and you say, it really doesn't matter. What has that got to do with our mission? You know, the things may be important for the moment. They may be important in some way. But if you're going to fuss and fight over them, that's going to distract you from the mission that Jesus has given to us. And so Jesus says, don't judge one another. Don't criticize one another. Don't carp on one another. Don't cut on one another. Don't form your little groups in your, your, your church and have this group here and this group here who's going to fuss and fight and attack one another and make sure that they get their way instead of the other bunch getting their way. I want Jesus to have his way Amen. in the church. And so that's what Jesus is saying. This also speaks to how Christians are to treat people who are lost as well. We must never compromise when it comes to sin. If something is a sin according to the Word of God, we have to call it a sin. You may get, you know, Twitterized and attacked and all of that, but if something is a sin, it is a sin. We must never compromise when it comes to sin according to the Word of God. But as Christians, we must treat those who are lost, not with anger, but with compassion and with mercy. I guess you could say it like we like we say it a lot of times. Yes, we must hate the sin, but we must love the sinner. As Christians, yes, we never compromise when it comes to sin. But people are lost and they need the Lord. And they don't need our anger. And they don't need our, our judging them in the sense that we think somehow we're superior to them. They need our compassion and mercy. Have you ever noticed how Jesus treated lost people? That woman who was caught in the adultery was thrown at the feet of Jesus. Jesus could have said, you're right, stoner. She's an adulterer. Just go ahead and get her out of the way. She's not worth living. But he didn't do that. He defended her. And then he told the woman in no uncertain terms she was to go and sin no more. Jesus didn't kowtow to her sin. He didn't overlook her sin. He looked her in the face and he said, woman, go and sin no more. But he also treated her with love. And with grace, 
He defended her. He sheltered her. Listen, people are lost. And I know they do things we don't like. And I know they speak in ways we don't like. And I know they act in ways we don't like. But they're lost. They're one breath, one heartbeat, one second away from an eternity without Christ. And instead of us wanting to, to, to take them out in our anger and to make them targets of our anger and hatred, we need to treat them with love and compassion. That's what Jesus did with the lost people. He did the same thing with the woman at the well. <laughs> did you know that Jesus had a divine appointment to meet that woman to talk to her about her soul? I mean, he, he, he took time and effort and he made that trip to be there at that well when he knew the woman would come. And she had shacked up. That's how we say it in South Georgia. That's a theological term. She had shacked up with a lot of men and she was still shacking up with a man. And Jesus could have told her, you're not worth the, the breath you have in your lungs. You're the scum of the earth. Nobody should live the way you're living. But he didn't treat her that way. He treated her with love and he treated her, her with compassion because she was a soul who was lost. And he wanted her to be saved and he cared for her. And so he treated her with love and grace and mercy. He did the same thing with Zacchaeus, the tax collector, a little rascal. I mean, he had been ripping off people, taking advantage of people. He had gotten wealthy by taxing, being used by the Romans to tax his own people. He was an object of hate and rejection by his own people. But there was something in him who wanted to see Jesus. And so the little old thing, he climbed up into a tree so he could just see Jesus. This guy that he had heard who loved tax collectors. Jesus knew he was up in a tree. He was up in a tree in a lot of different ways, a literal tree. And he was an up in a, in, a, in, a, in a tree of his own immoral life. Jesus stopped, looked up at that guy and said, Zacchaeus, how you doing? How's the air up there, my friend? He said, I'm hungry. Come on down. I want to go eat with you today. He could have told old Zacchaeus, you up in a tree, are you? Well, I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to cut that tree down and we're going to take care of you, big boy. For how you've been treating people. But Jesus didn't do that. He was a lost soul. He was somebody that he, Jesus cared for. He was somebody that Jesus died for. Remember, everybody you see is someone for whom Jesus died. And so he treated Zacchaeus with respect. And you know what happened? Zacchaeus got saved. Jesus got out of a boat one time, and here comes this dude possessed by all of these demons. He had terrorized that entire region through his demon possession and through all that he had done. And he comes running toward Jesus. Jesus could have snapped his finger, and that would have been, would have been the end of the man who was called Legion. But Jesus had compassion on him. He had mercy on him. Cast those demons out. And when Jesus left, that man was in his right mind, clothed, wanting to tell others about Jesus. What about the sinner on the cross? The guy who was dying on the cross as Jesus was dying on his cross. 
And he asked for mercy from Jesus. Jesus could have turned to him and said, no way, man, you murderer, you insurrectionist. You're getting what you deserve. So you're going to die and go to hell. And that's what you deserve. Did Jesus treat him like that? No. He had mercy on him. He had compassion on him. He was dying for him. He saved him. Yes, what Jesus is talking about is we don't need to, to snipe at one another and fault find with one another and constantly criticize one another and get our little groups together and have our little battles in the church and our little wars in the church. No, no, a thousand times no. We're on a mission. And that mission is to declare the good news of Jesus Christ. We don't need to waste time with that kind of thing. We're on an important mission. And when it comes to lost people, you know, when people find out I'm a preacher, especially if they've been kind of living a rough life, they really don't want to have time for me. They really don't want to talk with me. Because they think, well, you're a preacher. You're going to just look down on me and everything I've done and all of that. And, you know, I try to treat everybody with respect and love. Now, internally, I may be saying, boy, you rough, (laughs) you know, and man, you really need to straighten up. But in my heart, I know that I need to treat people with love and respect because that's what Jesus did. And so I try to treat them in that way. And hopefully that will open a door for me to be able to tell them about the Jesus who loves them, the Jesus who cares for them and the Jesus who will forgive them if they trust in him. Jesus treated lost people with mercy and compassion. Do you know that's how Jesus treated you? When it came to our sin, Jesus drew no quarter. It was the fear of our judgment, but it also was the the mercy and the grace of the Lord Jesus that drew us to him so that we might might believe and be saved. And so in these verses, that's what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about about not judging, looking down, having a superior attitude toward other people. And he's talking about working together with our brothers and sisters in the Lord. You know, you may not like the way I part my hair. That's not registering at all with some of you. But you shouldn't criticize me. You have a personal preference. I have a personal preference. Why would you criticize me for how I part my hair? Why would I criticize you for that? You see, that's what Satan wants us to do. He wants us to get us all in a scrum, fussing and fighting with one another. While the world is dying and going to hell, he wants us all in here fussing and fighting over one another, forgetting our mission, which is to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the lost world. And if somebody rough and ragged comes in the door of our church, they've lived a rough life. Maybe they don't smell very well. Maybe they don't look very well. You better believe we better love them and treat them with love and compassion. That's what Jesus would do. Now, we won't cotton to their sin, but we will treat them with love and compassion. That's what Jesus did. So that's what Jesus is talking about. In these verses. Now, in these verses, Jesus does not forbid believers, however, from making judgments and declarations on things that are according to the Bible are right and wrong. 
1 Corinthians 2.15, he who is spiritual judges all things. We live in a fallen world. And in the fallen world we live in, to live the life that God wants us to live, to be the salt and light that God wants us to be in this world, we as Christians must constantly make judgments. We make judgments every single day. And when necessary, as Christians and as a church, we have to make declarations on things that are right and wrong, things that are good and bad based on the Word of God. Jesus said in John 7, 24, do not judge according to appearance, but listen, Jesus said, judge. He told us to judge. And he says, when you judge, judge with righteous judgment. The judgments we make on conduct and behavior are not to be based on our personal preferences. They are to be righteous judgments. That is, they are to be judgments that are based on the word of God. Now, we live in a world that hates moral absolutes. This world literally hates it when somebody says, this is right and this is wrong. The world wants to say, well, it may not be right for you, but it might be right for me. There's a theological term for that. <laughs> something is right or something is wrong. And we base that statement on the Word of God, not on what we feel, not on our personal preferences. We make a righteous judgment based on the Word of God. This is right and this is wrong. And it's right for me and it's right for you and it's right for everybody and it's wrong for me, it's wrong for you and it's wrong for everyone. We live in a world today that condemns Bible-believing evangelical Christians like you and I because we believe, we have the temerity to believe that based on the Word of God, there are some things that are right and some things that are wrong. And we have the temerity to make those declarations before the world. And so they hate us for it. The world will accept any kind of Christianity that is not biblical. That's true. But folks like us who believe in the Bible, who say they are moral absolutes, they don't like us. They call us bigoted. You know, I've been called a lot of names lately. Bigoted, narrow-minded, prejudicial, arrogant, self-centered, self-righteous, deplorable, enemies, threats, and a Neanderthal. That's what I'm talking about. If you're a Bible-believing Christian and you have the, the gumption to declare that according to the Word of God, this behavior is right, this behavior is wrong, then you're going to get called names. But ladies and gentlemen, for the sake of our society, for the sake of our children, what the Bible calls sin, we must call sin. Adultery is wrong because God says it is. Fornication is wrong because God says so in his word. Sodomy and homosexuality is wrong because God says so. Abortion is wrong because God says so in his word. Stealing is wrong because God says so. Lying is wrong because God says so. Drunkenness is wrong because God says so. 
There are some things that are right and there are some things that are wrong according to the word of God and for the sake of our society, for the sake of our children, what the Bible calls sin, we must call sin. Leviticus 19, 17 says this. You shall not hate your brother in your heart. You shall surely rebuke your neighbor and not bear sin because of him. That verse says, if you love your neighbor, you love your neighbor when you warn him or her about the danger and the consequences of sin. You love your neighbor when you tell your neighbor, this is wrong. This is not right. And there's danger in doing this. And there's consequences in doing this. The preacher who loves people. The Christian who loves people. The church who loves people will not gloss over, will not hide, and will not excuse what the Bible calls sinful. The church which loves people will warn people of the dangers and the consequences of sin. Now, they may not like it. They may reject us for it. But if you truly love people, you will warn them of the consequences of sin. What if you were traveling down a road and all of a sudden you come upon a bridge that's been washed out and you're the only one on the road at the moment? You're the first one on the scene. Would you have an obligation then to warn everybody else who will come down that road that the bridge is out and if you keep going, you're going to run into trouble? Wouldn't you have an obligation to do that? Wouldn't it be a dereliction of your duty then to turn around and go your merry way while cars are park, uh, passing you headed full tilt toward that bridge that is out that they may fall through the, the gap that has been left by that fallen bridge and they may even go to their death? Wouldn't you have an obligation to stop them and say, hey, the bridge is out. Don't go that way. As Christians and as a church, we have a responsibility to tell our society, listen, this is wrong. This is evil. This is sinful. And if you keep going this way, you will run into the judgment of Almighty God. Amen. And you need to turn around. And you need to go back. And you need to find the Lord. And so we need to speak out. Jesus is not forbidding us to speak out. He's not forbidding us to declare that this is sinful and this is wrong and this conduct shouldn't be going on. I love my country, but I see my country in deep trouble because we are celebrating what the Bible says is sin. We are encoding those things in our laws. And those who want to stand for holiness and righteousness according to the word of God are being attacked and we're being called threats to democracy because we actually believe there are things that are right and wrong according to the word of God. And so as believers, we have to speak out against sin in the world. There's times when we have to judge sin in the church. When the actions of a church member threatens the witness of the church, the unity of the church, the ability of the church to carry out its mission and ministry if that guilty member refuses to repent, 
then the Bible teaches us that the church has to take an action, action against that member to protect the witness of the church. Unfortunately, in my ministry, I've had to lead churches to do that. It's a hard thing. It's a heartbreaking thing. It's a difficult thing. It does cause conflict. Sometimes conflict is necessary if you're dealing with that which protects the witness and the unity and the ability of the church to carry out its mission and ministry. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, the apostle Paul rebuked the Corinthians for not judging and rebuking a member of the church who was bringing great shame on the gospel and on the church by their sinful actions. When a fellow Christian falls and fails, our actions toward him must be guided by Galatians 6.1. Paul wrote, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one. Help them. Confront them with their sin. Help them to repent. Help them to get right with God. Restore them in a spirit of gentleness. Considering yourselves, lest you also be tempted. So what is Jesus saying in these verses? He's saying, look, don't be nitpicky. Don't be fault-finding. Don't be so critical, hypercritical over stuff in your, uh, among your, your, your fellow Christians. You know? And that happens so much, and we shouldn't do that. And have love and compassion for the lost. Everyone you meet, everyone in that stadium yesterday, 40, 60, 70,000, 90,000, ever how many it was, those are people for whom Jesus died. I didn't like the way some of them looked. <laughs> they didn't dress according to my standard of how they ought to be dressing. Some of them folks needed some clothes on yesterday. I'm telling you. And some of them, you know, had partied before they got into the stadium, apparently. And I saw that. But you know, they need the Lord. What am I going to do? Hit them over the head? Say, you get what you deserve? I'm not going to kowtow or cotton to their sin, but I want them to be saved. I want them to come to Christ. I want them to have the salvation that God has given to me. In these verses, Jesus also speaks of our attitude and judgment. Here's what Jesus said in this passage in a very, you know, beautiful way. He makes it clear that before we speak against sin, before we take a stand against sin in the lives of other people, it's important that we deal with sin in our own life. What he's saying is, you know, don't be, don't be self-righteous when it comes to making these statements about judgment. You may be trying to get a speck out of your brother's eye, while at the same time you got a pure log hanging out of yours. A very comical picture. In other words, Jesus says that before we, we deal with making judgments and we deal with these kinds of things, we need to make sure that our lives are as free from sin as possible. Here's basically what Jesus is saying. When it comes to sin, the person you need to be hardest on is your own self. When it comes to sin, the person you need to be hardest on is your own self. You know, a lot of times we, we make allowances for our sin. Well, you know, it was a moment of weakness. Well, you know, I shouldn't have done that. You know, and we're so forgiving toward ourselves, but then we're so tenacious in making sure somebody else pays the price for what they've done. Jesus says it's, it should be exactly opposite. We should be easy on others and hard on ourselves when it comes to sin. 
The fact that we are sinners ourselves, however, does not disqualify us from speaking out against sin in society and sin in the church when we need to. It means that when we speak out against sin, we're not to be self-righteous as if we've never sinned, but we speak out as sinners ourselves, saved by grace. We speak out by being honest about the fact that we have our own sins, faults, and failures. But out of love for our neighbor, we declare today that this activity, this behavior, this conduct, according to the word of God, is sinful. And it's dangerous. Sin is dangerous. Sin is like a poison that's coursing through the the veins of every person. Sin is deadly. It's dangerous. And there's only one antidote to that, that sin that courses through our body. There's only one antidote that will save us from the deadly consequences of that sin. And that antidote is the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that will save us from the deadliness and the death that is sure to come because of sin, the eternal death. Anytime we, we point out sin, declare sin, we must do it not out of a self-righteous way, but out of a desire to love people and protect people. Listen, I can sit down with anybody and say, look, I'm a sinner saved by grace. And you're not looking at a perfect person by any means. But I know the grace and the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I understand from the word of God how you're living, what you're doing. That's not a good thing. It's a dangerous thing. The Bible declares it. God himself declares it in his word. Don't judge me. I'm not judging you. I'm just telling you what the word of God says. The Word of God says there, see, you are free to live how you want to live. A person is free to live how they want to live. If they want to live wild, if they want to just ignore God, if they want to be immoral, if they want to be ungodly, they are absolutely free to choose that lifestyle. But they are not free to choose the consequences of their choices. Those consequences are declared by God in His Word. The soul that sins, it shall die. We're free to choose, but we're not free to choose the consequences. Now, the Bible often speaks of judgments that we have to make. Jesus, in these verses, Matthew 7, 6, Do not give what is holy to the dogs. He's not talking about four-legged dogs. He's talking about two-legged dogs. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine. He's not talking about four-legged swine. He's talking about two-legged swine. Lest they trample them under feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Jesus, in these words, in these verses, Jesus used the words dogs and swine to refer to people who have an animalistic hatred for God and his people. Jesus said there's some people it's better not even to share the gospel with. They have such an animalistic hatred for God, for his word, for his people. It's best not even to share the gospel with them. Because all they'll try to do is try to tear you up. Sometimes the best thing when we meet people who have such a hatred, and I've met many people, 
And by the way, if you're on social media, they're all over social media. I don't know if you're into social media or not, but listen, don't get into theological arguments and debates on social media. It's just, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Facebook and all that. Those people are crazy. The only sane people on social media that I know of is me and some other folks that I know. You know? Those people are... Sometimes you'll meet people who have such an animalistic hatred for God. Jesus says it's best not to even share the gospel with them. Well, you have to make that judgment, don't you? I mean, they, they don't walk around with a sign around their, uh, themselves saying, I'm a dog or I'm a swine. You observe them, you hear their words, you hear their conduct, you hear their look at their demeanor, and you make the judgment. It's just not worth sharing the gospel with these people because they're not going to hear it. And all they're going to do is try to tear me up and tear other people up. And they're going to blaspheme God and it's just not worth it. So what do you do for those people? You pray for them. Because even the Lord can take a dog and make him a preacher. Or a swine and make them a Christian. 1 Thessalonians 5, 21, verse, uh, 21 and 22. Judge all things by the word of God. Hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. You're to make judgments based on the word of God. This is good. I'm going to hold fast to it. I'm going to hold on to it. This is a good thing. This is a good way to live. This is a good action. I'm going to hold on to what is good. I'm going to abstain from every form of evil. There are some things that are evil. And we need to stay away from them. 1 John 4.1 Beloved, do not believe every spirit. In other words, don't believe every preacher you hear or teacher. Test the spirits. See whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. You're to test preachers and teachers. Test their lifestyle. Judge their lifestyle. Judge their preaching. Judge their teaching to see if they truly have been sent by God. Not every preacher who stands in a pulpit, not every teacher who teaches before class has been sent by God. There have been many false prophets. You're to make judgments. When Jesus said, don't judge, he's not talking about making these kinds of judgments. He's talking about don't fuss and fight with one another over things that don't matter. Heard the story about a preacher who's preaching, an evangelist went to a church and preached. After the service, he and the pastor were standing at the door and greeting people and talking with people. A little boy walked up and said, that's about the sorriest sermon I ever heard in my life. Just walked off. After a while, the same little boy came back through and said, well, you'll never preach at this church again. He just walked off. The little boy came back again and made a comment, your tie's too tight. And he walked off. Finally, the evangelist says, what is up with that kid? He asked the pastor, what's up with that kid? He said, don't worry about him. He's just repeating everything he's hearing. <laughs> Listen, you, you may not like this, that, or the other. What has that got to do with our mission? Ask yourself, what has that got to do with our mission? Of preaching the good news. Of presenting the good news to a lost and dying world. That's what Jesus is talking about. You as a Christian have an obligation to stand for what is right and wrong, good and bad, 
and truth and error. We have an obligation to do that. You know what happened to Jesus when he did that? They crucified him. Do you know what will happen to you if you do that? Even if you do it with grace, mercy. Even if you do it out of the right motives. Even if you do it with love and compassion. They're going to get you too. But if you love your neighbor. If you love your children. If you love the lost world. You'll stand for what is right. And you'll stand against that which is wrong. According to the word of God. So Jesus teaches us to avoid the unloving, unkind, and unfair criticism that sometimes we're guilty. And I've been guilty of it, too, for heaven's sakes. We've all been guilty of that. But listen, does it have anything to do with our mission? (laughs) Now, people hate to be judged. Don't judge me. And, you know, when you, you preach a sermon like this, I can hear it now. Just judgmental, hateful, 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 judgmental. And all of that. And these days people don't want to be judged about anything. And they hate the idea of God being a judge. But I want to tell you something. Hebrews 9.27. As it is appointed unto men once to die after this, the judgment. After you die, you're going to stand in judgment. You're going to be judged by the God who made you. Every single one of us. We're going to be standing before the Lord who gave us our life. And we're going to give an account to God for how we live the life that he gave us. And the number one issue in that judgment is, what did you do with my son? I sent my son into this world. He died on the cross for your sins. What did you do with Jesus? Did you reject him? Did you deny him? Did you laugh at him? Did you turn your back on him? What have you done with Jesus, my son? When I stand before the Lord, I'm going to say, Lord, I love Jesus. I've surrendered my life to him. He is everything to me. He is my Lord and Savior. I hope you can say the same thing. Well, that's what Jesus taught us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and the truth of your word. Today, Lord, help us to love one another, especially in the church and our fellow Christians. Yeah, there may be some stuff we don't particularly cotton to when it comes to our fellow Christians, but what does it have to do with our mission? So we need to have grace and mercy and love and compassion toward one another. When it comes to the lost world around us, yes, there are times when we have to make these declarations. That's wrong. That is just wrong. That is sinful according to the Word of God. It won't be popular. It won't be accepted. We will be attacked. But out of love, out of love for a lost world, we have to make those declarations. We've run into a lost sinner today. We may not like the way they smell. We may not like the way they look. We may not like the way they're acting or talking. But they need the Lord. That's a person for whom Jesus died. And so let us help us, Lord, get past all that other stuff. 
and treat them with love and compassion, just as Jesus would do.